Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, what's up? It's Andrew Ivins with another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm once again filling in for my man, Blair Angulo. Before we get started, I just want to thank you guys for listening and supporting the podcast. We appreciate all of the support. I know Blair has teased that a mailbag is coming, and from what I'm told, that's going to happen soon. So stay tuned uh, as your questions are not going to go unanswered. On this episode of the podcast, we are going to not only be joined by 24-7 sports analyst Greg Biggins, who patrols the West Coast for us, but we're also going to talk with top 247 safety Tarian Arnold, who plays his football in Tallahassee, Florida. Biggins is going to explain why he moved his 24-7 sports crystal ball forecast off USC and over to Georgia for five-star defensive lineman Corey Foreman. He's also going to give us some updates on a pair of notable underclassmen and share the latest on quarterback Jake Garcia, who remains committed to USC, but keeps having his name linked to Miami. As for Arnold, the nation's number two ranked safety, according to 24-7 Sports and Polynesian Bowl All-American, he's going to give us a little insight into his recruitment after naming a top 11 last week. But before we get into all that, let's begin with the kickoff. September 1st is a pretty important date if you're a recruit in the class of 2022. Why? Because that's the first day that the NCAA is going to allow college coaches to formally contact rising juniors. That means for some of the top recruits for the next cycle, their phones are going to light up starting at midnight from college coaches and staffs around the country that are hoping to start building that relationship and eventually landing a signature from said prospects. It might sound a little crazy to look ahead to the class of 2022, but a number of underclassmen have already made commitments. LSU, which obviously won the college football playoff last season, they have seven different prospects already committed for the 2022 cycle. That gives Ed Orgeron and the Tigers the number one ranked class in the 24-7 sports uh, composite team rankings. So if you're wondering why, you see all these kids tweeting out who they've spoken to and when. That's the number one reason why, because the NCAA has finally given them the green light to open up those recruitments. Joined now by my friend out on the West Coast, Greg Biggins. Greg, how was your weekend? Weekend was pretty good. I'm trying to think if I did anything fun. I don't think I did. I think it was just pretty mellow. Watched uh, watch Black Panther a couple times with the kids. And a little Laker basketball out here on the West Coast, but tell us about it, Andrew. Kind of, you know, I'm kind of old and, and boring now. Not as fun as I, not as fun as I used to be. Laker basketball. It's funny because I, I think the Lakers games are like so late here. They'll always have them at nine or ten, and then oh, I, yeah. I realize on the West Coast it's like six p.m. there. 
I couldn't imagine living back there and watching like Monday night football at like midnight back when it was at six o'clock and, and all that. So that's one of the benefits, I guess. The one benefit of living in California is you get that. Of course, you know, we have a kind of a weird governor, but other, other than that, there's, there's some, there's some positives out here. We'll keep it, we'll keep it non-political. Okay, good. I don't want to talk politics. What I do want to me, talk, me what I do want to talk about is probably uh, one of the biggest crystal balls you have put in, in, I don't know, recently. Um, and that has to do with five-star defensive lineman, Corey Foreman. You put in a pick late last week. Uh, before I recorded the last podcast, so I couldn't get you on then. So this is like a little dated, but it's still very relevant. Corey Foreman, you put in a crystal ball pick for him to Georgia as a forecast. I don't know what your confidence score is, uh, but take us inside that that decision and why you made the move. Yeah, I mean, it, it was confidence. I want to say it was like five or six. I'm pretty conservative, Andrew, when it comes to, honestly, crystal balls. And I still chuckle when, when we keep when we say crystal balls. I, I just... I just feel like Georgia right now, there's been a lot of buzz. And, and just to kind of set the stage, they were the runner-up when he committed to Clemson. So it's not like they came out of nowhere. He, he took a visit. And then this is that right after the opening last summer when we saw him and loved him. Uh, he visited a, a bunch of schools, Bama, LSU, uh, not LSU, uh, Bama, um, Clemson, obviously, Georgia. But the Georgia visit really blew him away. And he almost committed there on that visit. But then he went ahead and took a visit to Clemson, liked that one a little, little bit more, and just kind of liked what they were telling him and liked the you know, defensive line uh, room and the development, the reputation, and just felt really comfortable there. And, and so he committed to Clemson. But so Georgia's always been right there. And, and uh, for those who don't know, he was back on campus. Uh, it's a dead period visit, which means you can't have any contact with the coaches face-to-face, and you can't go visit the facilities. But you can still tour the campus. And what he did – was he basically toured the whole city, um, and, and he kind of hung out with several other main Georgia targets. Brock Vandegrift was probably the lead guy talking to him, and Mason Smith, who he's really close to, was also there. And uh, Amir Smith, another guy to throw out there. But he just said he just loves the vibe in Athens. Went to Atlanta a little bit too, which obviously that's a little more Georgia Tech territory. But he just loved the vibe there. You know, loved the life, the lifestyle. He said he's an outdoor guy. He went fishing for the first time, didn't catch anything, but still loved it. But I think right now he said he has the best relationship with that Georgia coaching staff. And one thing that kind of caught my eye was, you know, when I said, hey, are you taking any more trips? He kind of said, yeah, I'd like to, but if I don't, I don't. It didn't seem like it was a big deal. I didn't get a, a sense of urgency. Georgia was the one school he really wanted to see. Um, you know, his dad was able to go out with him, and his dad hasn't gone on any trips. Dad is obviously very influential. So is his mom, but his dad was there with him. And so, again, just talking to him, and, and I've talked to Corey probably since he was a freshman, and he's usually kind of low-key and keeps a straight face, but he was man, he was the most outgoing, gregarious, smiling, comfortable uh, look like he was really filling Georgia right now. So I went ahead and, and switched my crystal ball, which was on USC, switched it over to Georgia. And you mentioned him being all lit up in the face. That's because you saw him at, at a workout. I, I always like to kind of specify um, where I talk to kids because, I, I mean, you build relationships with these guys. You talk to them over the phone. But I think if you can always get like an in-person interview, I always come away from it feeling really confident about what is said or you can read body language so, so th- this was an in-person conversation right greg yeah uh-huh. dude i 100 agree with you body language with Corey was again like nothing I, i've seen before and I, i've talked to him in person before but yeah i mean you don't get the same vibe on the phone or even just kind of texting back and forth so yeah just the body language the just how relaxed he was how his biggest you could tell he was almost like not wanting to give up too much he was still kind of being coy I tell you what, I mean, that smile and, and the way he just kind of talked about the different things about the trip, it kind of gave a lot of weight for me. 
And he was wearing a Georgia shirt, right? I think I saw he one was, of those. He was wearing a, a Georgia, which I mean, I, I've always kind of downplayed, you know, T-shirts and gloves. You always see – I think kids do it on purpose now. They know how big that, that flies on social media. They'll wear, they will, they will a pair of gloves just to kind of throw people off. But uh, he was wearing a, a UGA shirt. And like I said, man, he, uh, he de- I definitely got a, a dog buzz out of him for sure. <laughs> well, here, here's my take on that. Like I used to not put much into it either because – um, I think equipment staffs and coaching staffs would just kind of like leave some gear out and guys would just kind of pick it up and make their way home with all this like team issued gear. But if, you know, Corey and whoever else was patrolling Athens, I, they, they can't talk to coaches. So that means he, uh, he had to pay his own money for that t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said, the thing with him that I would watch with Corey is, you know, he talked a lot of, with about him and Mason Smith, and everyone knows that's kind of been a topic. Will they play together? Obviously, LSU doing really well with, with Mason Smith. LSU is doing good with Corey, too. Let's not make it just about Georgia. Uh, I think if LSU can get a visit, I would maybe put them number two right now for Corey. Uh, Oregon's still pushing. USC's still trying like heck. And then Clemson is still – that's his five right now. Alabama's kind of out. And he also kind of mentioned Howard. Um, but I don't get the sense they're really involved. But – you know, Mason Smith and him have developed a really weird, not weird. Corey kind of said it was just weird how close they are and how he's like become like a brother to him and how they really want to play together. And that's something that they've talked about uh, almost on a bi-daily basis. And so I would say watch out for Mason Smith as well. You know, again, he said that these guys are they're, they're identical, the way they think, the way they, you know, their goals, their motivation, what sets them apart from other people's just how how much they love football and you know the three-year plan gets the nfl all that is kind of similar for those two and so um again i've always downplayed package deals unless it's family relatives i i've never ever seen kids at the end of the day say you know what i like this school but i'm going to pick this one because so-and-so is going there but with those two i i I do actually think they're going to talk a lot about potentially trying to to make this happen so um Georgia has a good chance, I think, with both, as does, again, LSU is still right there, too. So don't let's not, uh, you know, dismiss them too too quickly. Right. And, and Mason Smith's another five-star composite defensive line. He's in Louisiana. And I'm with you, Greg. Like, when kids mention package deals, like, the odds of those things working out um, are always seem to fall through. It starts off early on when they're underclassmen, yep. and then as it progresses, it just dies down. Uh, but I, I, I just kind of remembered. I was like, "How is this kid in LA? And this kid in Louisiana connected together?" And I, I remember they were both at the opening last summer uh, as underclassmen. So that was a multi-day a- a event. Um, Greg with Corey, we were talking before I hit record on this. Um, you've compared him in the past to Demarcus Lawrence. I think that's your evaluation, uh, player comp on, on the 24 seven sports profile. I remember some conversations we had during a rankings call and, and we, I, I just mean the rankings council kind of going back and forth is, is Corey long-term, is he going to slide inside maybe as more of an interior defensive lineman, or is he going to be an edge rusher? And you told me, Corey, you're, you're kind of leaning towards the edge and, and for a certain reason. Yeah, so I thought he had a good chance to slide inside after the opening last year. And even early in his senior season, he was up to about 275. And just the way he played, he actually moved inside. Uh, you know, he missed five games last year, but when he did play, they moved him around. And I thought he was really effective when he did move inside. And he was just so quick and explosive for an opposing guard center. It was, it was just not fair. But so I thought, you know, his body is kind of treading. That's what you kind of look for, right? Right. You know, looking for body shapes and length and all that. And the trend for him was, he, I thought it was going to be 290. 
you know, obviously, um, you know, you don't see too many guys that are kind of going that way. All of a sudden do a, a reversal. Um, but I saw him at a couple of workouts this offseason. The first one, he was 258. I saw him on a scale. And then yesterday, or excuse me, last, last week when I saw him, he was he said he was down to 255. So he actually wants to play outside linebacker in a 3-4. <laughs> I mean, he actually wants to – I think it's that whole everyone wants to try to show their athletic. Right. right. Don't No receiver wants to ever play tight end. Uh, you know, so I think – he wants to show that he's an athlete and he can run around. And you see him at these camps. He actually works out at middle linebacker, even though you know he's going to be a D lineman. So after seeing, seeing him in person and kind of seeing where his body's at, I, and, and he does look like he's gotten a lot more burst and explosiveness to him. So I definitely think he can be a 4-3 outside defensive end, outside linebacker in the 3-4 scheme. I definitely think right now he does look like an outside guy. Corey Foreman, the nation's number one ranked prospect, obviously, according to the 24-7 sports composite, number one strong side defensive end, uh, a, a big, talented dude. Last question I have on him for you, Greg, uh, is USC completely dead in this recruitment? Um, you know, you, you mentioned you think Georgia's obviously first. Number two might be LSU. I, I guess, it, do you foresee any scenario where USC could get back into that pole position? So here's why I think there might be there might be a little bit up against it, and the reason why I picked USC for him originally was I, I there was a lot of talk he wanted to stay close to home, and he's really close with a ton of players that are already at USC or going to USC, but the reality is I think USC needed to have a really strong year this season to kind of impress Corey. Right, last year, uh, actually for the last three years, Clay Helton kind of been on that hot seat, and that's why they lost Justin Flo and and guys like Elias Ricks and. Um, you know, players were kind of concerned about the you know stability of the program and head coach wise. And so the feeling was, you know what, there's a, right now USC has just brought in a whole new defensive staff. Uh, Vic Soto from Virginia is their new D line coach. Kids love him. Corey loves him. Uh, Dante Williams has been recruiting Corey at Oregon. He's a great recruiter. But I still felt like, you know what, so if USC can pull off a great year and kind of show some momentum and show, hey, USC, they're back. Uh, Corey can get, you know, stay close to home. His, his family would i think would love to see him stay close to home he grew up in a usc family while like most socal kids but unfortunately for usc in the pac-12 there there was no fall football so Corey's going to decide and he's going to he's going to sign early you know he's going to commit the all-american bowl and uh, he's going to sign in december so there is no football season for usc to impress him with so because of that uh, I, I do think USC's at a, a severe disadvantage right now. I thought if they had, you know, go out and blow them away and, and they, you know, play with a lot of, you know, a lot of passion and re renewed energy and he sees like, oh, I can go to USC still. But, you know, that's not going to happen. You know, they're, they're going to probably have a spring season, if, if at all. So right. because of that, I, I kind of favored the, the schools in the SEC that actually will have a season. It's funny. And you bring up a good point on my other podcast that I do. We, we were talking to uh, a, a guy who handicaps college football games and he pointed out, man, you know, the schools that are playing are going to be so much more in the spotlight this season than in years past. I mean, you're going to turn on ESPN or, or CBS uh, and all you're going to see is the, the Georgias, the Notre Dames, uh, the Alabamas, the Texases, like those blue bloods are going to get so much more exposure. And I think that has a chance to hurt uh, like a, t a team like USC. They're just not in uh, the spotlight. Uh, changing gears or shifting gears to another highly ranked recruit. I think this was one that was at a workout you saw as well. Damani Jackson, the five-star cornerback out of Matter Day. He's in the class of 2022. Um, I think you even texted me this or, or, or it was in something. You mentioned that 
Uh, Damani looks like a guy who could maybe play in the NFL right now. I don't think he could play in the NFL right now. I think he could go to an NFL combine and, and he would he would stand out there. I mean, the guy looks physically he's 6'1, 190. And if you saw him, he probably has two, three percent body fat. The guy is just ripped and he's, uh, you know, never run track before. His second meeting ran a 10, 7, 8. Now, I know Florida has got some some speedsters, but <laughs> I mean, that's his first, second time ever running and he's, go, he's going 10, 7, 8. He's going to run a 10, 5. At the end of the year, if we actually had a track season out here. So, unfortunately, that was the last meet he ran in. So, um, I mean, he's got incredible speed. I mean, he would go to an NFL combine, and I honestly think he'd run a 4-3, and he'd vertical jump 43 inches. And, again, if you looked at him physically, you would think he was a college player, not a high school player. Now, I I'm a little bit hard on him. I, I think he's got a ways to go still as a pure cover guy. Um, look at a guy like, you know, Daryl Stingley last year's our, our number one corner, right? He's so much further ahead as a pure cover guy than Elias Ricks, or excuse me, than Damani. I think Elias Ricks is ahead of Damani as a pure cover guy. Um, you know, Damani had, you know, one interception last year and, and probably eight or nine, you know, pass interference penalties. He still needs to develop past a uh, little ball awareness, um, you know, just better instincts. But physically, he's off the charts. And he's got two years to develop. And again, on our, our calls, we kind of, you know, comped him to Keely Ringo, who, you know, Keely struggled at times with, with things like being um, maybe a little stiff, not super fluid, um, not a lot of production in terms of, you know, the interception. You can say, oh, well, they're not thrown at him. Well, like I said, if you have three times as many pass interference penalties as interceptions, you can't say they're not thrown at you. You just got to make a play, turn your head around, right? right. So I think Lamani is, is upside, is, is, is extremely high. I, I like where his, his ranking is. I think he deserves to be the number one rated corner. Um, but I do think he's uh, he's got to continue to work, and he and he knows it. That's the cool thing about him; he knows it. And no one, I mean, this guy goes to every single thing. He's not one of those guys who hides. He goes to every single workout. Uh, he goes to every single event, and he takes more reps than everyone there. So he knows he needs to get better and, and work on, you know, his pure cover skills. Um, but his physical tools are, are extremely high. On the recruiting front, Damani put out a top. 10, I think, back on July 4th, Arizona State, Clemson, LSU, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas, and USC uh, were the ones that made the cut. Uh, you know, I love all the July 4th top 10s, you know, you know <laughs> it, it, analysts don't want to enjoy the, the American holiday. They want to write updates. Uh, what What's the latest with Damani's recruitment? I, I know you wrote something that he wants to see Georgia, um, but where do you see this, uh, the, the current pulse of the recruitment? Yeah, I mean, again, package deals don't work, but I mean, him and Corey are super close. They work out together and, and have worked out together for a long time. They're different classes, but so Georgia is a school that he taught. That's the one game he said, the first game he wants to go check out. So he want, he wanted to do a bunch of unofficial visits. He grew up a Michigan fan, uh, has never been there. Has a lot of family in the, in the Midwest, kind of more Ohio area, but he's never been to Ohio State. So he wants to go see Ohio State for sure. He wants to go see Michigan, again, childhood favorite. He's been to USC a number of times. Uh, he... Uh, uh, but, but he's never been in, really anywhere else. So he wants to go see Alabama. He really wants to go see Oklahoma. He told me the two head coaches that he's in contact with are, are Tom Herman at Texas and Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. So those two kind of are staying out for him a little bit. Uh, Clemson was, he said, a dream offer. And once they offered, he told me that that was like they were always going to be in his top five. And then he probably has maybe the best relationship with any coach with Chris Hawkins over at ASU. Those who don't know, he plays for a, a seven-on-seven program called Ground Zero, who's owned by Armand Hawkins, whose son is, is Chris Hawkins, who's the ASU DB coach. So he's been playing for Ground Zero since he was an eighth grader. So um, he's known Chris for since he was an eighth grader and kind of looks up to him as 
not just a coach, but like a, a older, bigger brother type of relationship. So, and then obviously, like I mentioned, you know, USC, he's been to and, and great relationship there with Dante Williams. So saying all that to say, Andrew, he's still pretty wide open. Uh, he has no plans to cut that, cut down that list anytime soon. He probably said he'll, he'll tweak a little, little, a little bit, maybe in six months, add some new schools and take some out, but he'll probably still have, you know, eight to 10 schools um, going into the summer of his senior year. So still kind of a ways to go with the money. It seems like uh, a year from now, we could be having the same conversation with him. In terms very possible. Of- <laughs> yeah, very possible. Um, another guy, uh, another big name out of the West Coast that you, you recently had a chance to catch up with. I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this kid's first name, uh, but I know he goes by T Mac. Uh, so can can you can you coach me on how to pronounce this? I don't know how you guys do the Polynesian names out there. On, on I mean, on I would, I should be better. My mom is from Hawaii, and I should be better. But yeah, Tataro McMillan. But we, I call him T Mac as well. And uh, you know, it's. You know, he's he him and Damani. It's going to be fun watching those guys go head to head. They play in the same league. And last year when they played, um, I, I would say T Mac probably got the better of him. He drew three pass interference penalties on Domani. So, I mean, he's a freaky athlete. You know, started on the basketball team as a freshman. He's at the top 50 recruit in volleyball, 6'3 receiver. He's got incredible bounce, uh, timing, anticipation. I, I love him as a safety as well. He's a guy that, you know, not a burner, not a 4'3, 4'4 guy. Um, but just a guy who's so athletic and, you know, his, his twitch is just obvious. And he gets in and out of his break. So even though he's not going to ever blow you away with a 40 time, he gets separation just because of how twitchy he is and how explosive in and out. And then again, he's got that bounce, great, great hands, never seen him drop a ball and his body control and jump all situations is, is unbelievable. So again, he's Polynesian. So I say that to say this. You know, when it comes to recruiting, a lot of those, he's so laid back and, and low key with it. He spent two months in Hawaii and when I was asking him, you know, kind of like the question is like pulling teeth. Hey, what skills are you talking to the most? All oh, right. Now I'm not really talking to anyone more than another. What do you think about, you know, this school? Oh, I, I like them the same as everyone else. It was that kind of interview, right? <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm having to literally ask him about specific schools. And, you know, a year ago, he, he told me his dream schools were Oregon because of Marcus Mariota, who's from Hawaii. And then uh, in Stanford, he's actually a 4-3 student, which is kind of cool. Um, and he loves the Stanford academics and, and all that, too. He wants to play volleyball and football in, uh, in college. So, uh, you know, USC's offered. Um, he, he does like them. He, he's hoping for a Clemson offer. He likes LSU and Bama, who have offered him. He said Notre Dame's academics are, are really up there for him. But, again, you know, this is me having to ask him, hey, Notre Dame? Oh, yeah. I like to so he wasn't volunteering really anything. Yeah. So talk about Domani being wide open right now among that top 10. I think T-Mac is, is probably even more wide open right now. And he's not even thinking about recruiting at the moment. Right. T-Mac, he uh, attends Servite there in Anaheim. We should point that out. Number 14 overall player in the class of 2022. Uh, number three wide receiver. That's all according to us at 24-7 Sports. Listed, like you said, 6'3", 185, which I, is that... He's got to be bigger than that because I saw him, uh, his seven-on-seven team played in, in Miami back in, I want to say it was January, and I was like, who is this kid? Uh, he definitely caught my eye. And then, <laughs> uh, He's like almost kind of like a legend. Uh, there's one of the teams down here in South Florida, uh, one of the coaches was talking to me. They're like that big Hawaiian kid for uh, whatever team. I think it's Juice County's the seven-on-seven team. So yeah. he's, he's already become like a legend on this side of uh, – uh, the, the country i, I was gonna say the they, had, they had like two games with them right i know that there was a couple of videos that people did out here of the two games they played and uh i mean it was funny because there was so much jaw jacking going back and forth and 
you know, T-Mac, man, he's quiet as heck off the field, but he'll, he'll go on, on the field, man. He has no problem talking and giving it back. So, uh, oh, that's funny. I, you know, I'd say maybe he's six, four, um, yeah. but he just plays so big. Cause I, I mean, the guy is getting, again, he's an elite volleyball player. So if you ever watched volleyball, those guys got bounced to him. Oh, for sure. So I, I would bet he, he would probably easily be a, a 40 inch vertical jump guy. And if not, he, he plays like it. So, uh, he oh. definitely plays bigger than his size right no in, in a day and age of football where everyone wants speed uh I, I think i view him as you know like you said he's probably not a 4-4 guy but he can go up and win balls and get balls so you could see him playing in a, a spread offense and being that vertical threat on the outside uh greg another guy i want to ask you about because now we're going to shift to georgia um and this is i think probably the biggest commitment over the past couple of days Nate Wiggins, a uh, cornerback out of the Atlanta area, he commits to Ed Orgeron and the LSU Tigers on Friday night. Um, it's not often, Greg, that I think you track a guy that's in the peach state, but uh, you did, and that's kind of for a while. It seemed like Nate might be trending towards playing somewhere in the Pac-12, right? Yeah, no. So the ironic part was, you know, so we, we, we had to do evaluations for the site. And most of the time I'm going to do, you know, West coast evals. You're going to probably do them in, in the South, but we had so many kids in the South that, you know, our, our fearless manager, Luke Stampini said, Hey, can you do the eval for, for Wiggins? And that was the first time I actually watched him. And I go, this guy, I think at the time he was rated like 200 something. Yeah. And I'm watching him going, okay, this guy is way better than any DB out, out West. And then I'm kind of watching guys who we had ranked ahead of him. I go, this guy might be better than any DB I've seen like period. And, uh, so that, so he kind of caught my eye just because of how good he was, you know, playing corner safety and receiver, um, you know, three, three, I would call him a triple threat basketball background, which we love, right. Love those two sport athletes. And so I, I just love the way he played, you know, again, he's just a long athletic kid who's with long corners. He's got to make sure they have that short area burst and quickness. And you don't want to be a long strider as a corner. Um, you got to be able to, you know, cut and explode out and he definitely had that so he had every tool and then yeah there was a lot of buzz for usc at one point in time and and that was because schools in the south were kind of slow playing him and right I, right you know, i even asked some of our you know shay dixon and and uh, anna hickey and um tim watts didn't seem like clemson bam lsu were, were on him that hard and i'm not saying this was why i andrew this is kind of funny after we gave him that huge bump <laughs> in the rankings i had a coach from the pac-12 say dude i wish you wouldn't have done that because i guarantee <laughs> you those schools are gonna are gonna go on him now much more so. And, and again, I have no idea that's why, but I will say this right around that time you saw all of a sudden other schools pick it up and LSU definitely picked it up um, a lot. And I think over, what was it? Probably mid July, you saw a ton of crystal balls flowing in. And uh, that's when you kind of saw Oregon's trying to hang in there. USC is still trying, but it, it was obvious he was going to stay in the South and either go to LSU uh, I know Georgia made a made a late run, but uh, you know Corey Raymond does a great job recruiting corners and developing them, and uh, you know they were able to land him. So um, you know, again, kind of rallied late on a on a kid in, the, in their region, but not again, not saying it was because of us, but um, I think you know, it was kind of a coincidental, if anything. Well, I mean, it's it's all right, Greg. You know, coaches <laughs> don't care about stars. Of course uh, not. N- none of that. None of that matters. How would they? Uh, last guy or last kid I want to bring up with you. And I mean, I know my the the Miami sites can be pissed. I haven't asked you about this guy already. Jake Garcia, uh, the quarterback from from your your area, he is now going to play his senior season in in Georgia at Valdosta High School. Jake is obviously committed to USC. Um, 
but it seems like the rumors they go through cycles. Uh, it'll, it, you know, Miami's going to flip Jake Garcia, and then it's then they're not. Then they are. Then they and then they're not. I guess what what is the latest you're hearing on Jake Garcia, the uh, four star quarterback, um, Under Armour All American, and and one of the top passers in the class. Yeah, no, I mean, so Jake's been consistent with me. That's all I can say. He's been consistent with me saying, hey, I'm, I'm still USC. And when I, I talked to him the day the announcement came out that he was transferring to Valdosta, and I said, Jake, you know, you're going to have people saying, oh, you're doing this. You're in the South or you're closer to Miami now. Is this part of the, you know, you can kind of wean yourself off of off being on the West Coast? And, and he, he said, no, I'm doing this for USC. I want to be able to play it my senior year. So when I get to USC, I'm, I'm more prepared. So he's kind of saying all the right things. And uh, if you know Jake, I mean, he's a phenomenal kid. I mean, you won't find a, a better kid. And so you, call, you always want to take him at, at, at face value. But then you, know, you talk to other people, uh, people around him who know him pretty well. And they're like, hey, watch out for Miami. Like, so they're saying like, hey, there's still legs to those rumors that, uh, you know, USC has two quarterbacks. And, and Jake has a really good relationship with Graham Harrell, the QB coach. But there are serious legs to, to, to Miami having a real shot, despite what he says publicly. So uh, we'll see, right? I think we'll see how he likes it uh, in Valdosta. Obviously, that's different location in Miami, but I think it's still, you know, it gives him a little bit of a feel for what Southern living would be like. Um, I hope he goes out there and kills it. I really do. I think it's awesome for me to, to see him want to go out and play. I think so many guys, so many, so many people almost look for reasons to not play, but Jake sees value in a senior year, and I, I see huge value in a senior year of developing. Look how much better Bryce Young and, and DJ and, and those guys got last year by playing. Made huge jumps as a senior year. So if you're a quarterback, I think you need that last year of development. So I'm, I'm happy for Jake um, for, for doing it. But as far as his recruitment, I, I think it's one of those things where until he actually signs you know, on the dotted line, and he is an early grad, until he actually signs, there's still going to be that, that buzz that, hey, maybe he's not super locked in with USC right now. And I think we need to bring up uh, Steve Wiltfong, director of recruiting at, at 24-7 Sports, who's been on this podcast plenty of times. You know, he does that quarterback domino tracker um, throughout the cycle, which kind of explains how if one move happens, something else is going to happen somewhere else in the other part of the country, just because uh, if, if a school loses their quarterback, another quarterback's going to get them and they're going to go for someone else. And when I was reading his update on, on Friday, uh, it, something kind of clicked with me. And uh, that was when Jalen Milrow, the uh, top 24-7 quarterback out of Texas, he obviously flipped to Alabama. And Steve pointed out, like, throughout the recruiting process, Jalen maintained that he was locked in with the Longhorns and, and not talking with anyone else. So I just, I just think every time one of these big quarterbacks talks and, and does with the media on record like what do you expect them to say they're not going to say oh, exactly yeah like just be- i've said i've said the same thing andrew i've said the same thing i go people look at me funny but i go honestly a lot of times the the worst source for a kid's recruitment is the kid himself right because they never tell you publicly and, and yeah we'll develop relationships right with, with kids and they'll tell us privately stuff which obviously we don't even share publicly or else you know we'd break that we'd lose that that relationship. So, um, I always say, man, always take with a grain of salt, what you hear a kid say publicly, even if we're reporting on it, we always have to, you know, protect our sources. So it w- would it surprise me if Jake flipped to Miami? Not, not at all. Right, right, right. I, I still think there's plenty, uh, more to go in that cr- recruitment. Well, Greg, I, I appreciate you, uh, you hopping on with me and, um, you know, well, I guess what, what is your plan with, with no high school games out there in California? Like, 
Is there going to be more camps and combines over the next couple of months? I think there, you know, I might actually get on the road and, and try to get out to other places. You know, Arizona is going to start up soon. It'd be fun to go out there. And, and I, I'm content watching a lot of the games on, on TV. There will be camps and combines for sure. There's one coming up in a couple of weeks in Fresno. Um, I think you're going to see uh, uh, maybe a lot of seven on seven and maybe even high school coaches for the first time kind of get behind it. Usually they kind of think of seven on seven as like the antichrist. They hate <laughs> every part of seven on seven coaches and them trying to move players from different high schools, to different high schools, which out here uh, does happen, unfortunately. But I could see, you know, that them wanting their kids to get some work and some exposure for the for the fall. I still think there's going to be a December early signing period. period. I think they sh- there should be. Right. Um, so. Uh, I I will get out as much as I can and, and still go track and see kids as, as much as I can. Still, I mean, it, it's you get you have to right. You have to. You never can stop evaluating. No, you you cannot. Well, Greg, we appreciate it, uh, and we'll talk to you later. Awesome, thanks, Andrew. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Okay, we are joined now by Tarion Arnold, who is taking some time out of his day. He's actually in school right now. Tarion recently put out a top 11 that list included Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, Florida State, Alabama, Florida, Miami, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Georgia Tech, and USC. Tarion, how you doing uh, on Monday? Doing great. Big news for you on the recruiting front. Last week, you put out your first top group of schools. It was a top 11, the first initial cut for you. You know, you whittled it down. I think you had over... 30 offers just kind of why did you decide to um i guess put out a top group of schools now um because i've been taking the process really slow and just really trying to find the best fit for me and those 11 schools i feel like uh they're giving me the best opportunity to max maximize my potential okay um before we kind of get into all those you know i think you're one of the more unique recruits uh this cycle and that's because you can play or you have the opportunities to actually play basketball as well in college out of the 11 schools that have offered have how many of them have told you that you have a chance to play both sports uh, at the next level yeah all of them okay all of them uh we'll we'll pivot to last weekend or i should say 2 weeks ago you were up in georgia for uh an unofficial visit um, what's it like going on a visit when there are no coaches there? That's a pretty unique thing, you know. Uh, normally, when a kid visits a school, uh, the whole staff's there. They roll out the red carpet, but there is none of that with you. So what's that like? Um, it's really just uh, just different. You really kind of have to find your liking to the campus. And, like, it's, it's really no gimmicks. Like, the coaches can't make it seem like it's something it's not. It's just – really real life so you kind of get to see what it's like 
You mentioned uh, Corey Foreman, Mason Smith, uh, Xavier Story. Which one of those guys are you the closest with? Is it Xavier because he's from the same panhandle area as you? Yeah, definitely me and him. Okay. Um, you know, Georgia, they're a team that a lot of people think that are, are trending up, but it's actually Florida that holds the most recent crystal ball pick. What is – I guess, what do you think of that with the whole crystal ball? And, and what has your contact been like with Gators over the past couple of months? Um, Coach English and Coach Mullen, Coach uh, Grant, and even uh, Coach Rat, Coach Cooney, uh, they're all recruiting me very, very uh, heavily. And um, although they have a lot of DBs committed, they have a plan for all of us. So um, that's why my relationship with Coach English is, is pretty tight. And, like, he calls me, like, his guy. And he's been recruiting me uh, the longest. You talk about some of those other DBs that are committed. Who do you uh, like? Donovan McMillan. Are you are you close with him? Yeah, Donovan, Dakota, Corey, Jason. Uh, but I'm probably the closest with Donovan. Okay. Uh, what do you think of Dan Mullen? And what are you expecting from the Gators in in uh, year in year three of of Dan Mullen's tenure? Oh, I'm expecting big things. Uh, they're on the verge of winning a national championship. And they've been working extremely hard. He's been showing me practices, how they're improving, what they're working on. So I expect a big season for them. What has it been like for you over quarantine, um, just kind of having to train on your own? I know you told me a while back you were working out with Ronnie Harrison, the former Alabama defensive back who uh, was with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, what has your off-season training regiment been like? Um. Well, it's not off-season now. Of course, we're preparing for the season. But off-season, I was waking up at 4.30, going to the track every day. And then on top of that, I was lifting while still managing to get up shots. And I was still managing my summer school work and uh, DB work. So it was it was very, very extreme. But I felt like a – really like a pro athlete then. And uh, it really kind of turned my focus and uh, made my interest even higher um, and saying this is something that I want to do. With Ronnie, is he ever kind of pushing you or telling you the right things about Alabama? Um, not really. He just encourages me to go to the right fit for me. He said Alabama was the right fit for him. It might not be the right fit for me, or it could possibly be the right fit. So he just encourages me that wherever I go, I'll shine. And Alabama was the school you had a chance to check out before, uh, you know, coronavirus became a thing? Yes, sir. And what did you think of Tuscaloosa? Um. My granddad drove me up there. He liked it a lot, and um, I liked it. I liked it also. So um, my relationship uh, with Nick Saban, as as far as him calling me on the daily, Coach Sal, Coach Scott, and, uh, Coach Kelly, even being from here, he remembers me at uh, FSU, at FSU camp since a little kid, and he's uh, watched me grow up. Uh, grow up. So um, it was a great visit, and um, I, I definitely want to go back. Speaking of Florida State, uh, that's the hometown team. Uh, it seems uh, you've been hot and cold with them at some times. I, I know that you put them in your top group of schools, but uh, I guess you're, you're kind of in wait-and-see mode with Mike Norvell, not to put words in your mouth, but I guess what do you want to see from him? Uh, I want to see the culture change as far as like the last couple years. They haven't been the Florida State that I grew up watching, so I want to see if he can change the culture like he said he would. Um, how much do you talk with them? Are they kind of 
um, just giving you your space? Um, they they like recruit me heavy, like off and on. But as of right now, they've been giving me my space. Miami, that's another school that's in that top group of schools. Uh, I think you've mentioned in the past that they're trying to get you to play with five-star safety James Williams. What do you think about the Hurricanes, and, and what do you know about the Hurricanes? Um, they're really, really the team that started the whole DBU trend. And uh, Manny Diaz, he's a great coach. Uh, coach Banda, he's, he came and watched me play last year, and he's been recruiting me hard ever since. Does it mean a lot for a recruit like you to have a college coach come to your game? Oh, of course, because I feel like they get to actually see, like, the real deal instead of on film. Because as I've seen, like, a lot of coaches, they say, wow, you're actually the same size that you look on film. So I definitely, like, when they come, it it just kind of fuels me and gets me ready for that college atmosphere. Circling back to the basketball thing, I I know uh, you've said this in prior interviews, Charlie Ward, he's kind of mentored you or, or coached you, or what's your relationship with him, and what, what exactly has he told you about playing two sports in college? It's a great one. He uh, encourages me to do it, and he says I can't do it. I just have to stay focused because uh, it's going to be a lot of things that come and try to distract you, so you really just have to keep your head head level. And um, as far as, like, a lot of doubters and stuff saying that you can't do it, he just says that um, use that uh, as motivation. I guess, what's the timeline for your decision? You came out with the initial top 11. I, you're planning to come out with the top five soon. When are you going to make a commitment? National signing day. So February, what is that, second or third? Third. And then is the plan to take visits or official visits, or how, how are you going to juggle that? Oh, of course, I'm taking all five of my officials. Okay. Are, are, how much of a focus will it be talking with basketball coaches while you're there? Um, I think it's a pretty big focus as far as like with the marketing thing, just even being able to pull it off. It'll be a great um, marketing tool for me. And I feel like it's no different than high school. I've been doing it all my life, so it really won't change. The competition just get better, just gets better and I get better also. Do you know uh, one or two schools that will for sure make that top five without giving away all the secrets to us? Do you know someone who anyone who will for sure be in there? Florida and Georgia. And why those two? Um, my relationship with Kirby Smart calls me every other day. And uh, my relationship with Dan Mullen and uh, Coach English, great schools, and they're uh, pushing for me very hard. Anyone going to challenge the, the SEC? I, I feel like maybe Alabama's in, in running third or, or something like that. Like who Who's the biggest competition to the, the SEC in your recruitment? Um, honestly, I, 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 really, I really don't even know. Um, really, I'm really just focused on the school that's giving me like the best educational opportunity, and I'm actually sitting in my guidance counselor's office right now while I'm doing this. So, uh, okay. definitely like when they come through here and have a plan for me, she's very strict on that. So, okay, and I, then it, I, I honestly don't know. And then it, I, I, I kind of follow up with that. Aside from the the ability to play both sports, like what what are the deciding factors going to be? When do you think you're going to know? Um. I'm really, really just following my heart right now. Um, obviously, coaches can sell you a lot of stuff, but I'm uh, like a very spiritual person. And I, I pray about it, and I just feel like I'll just know when that right time comes. All right, Terry. And I think the next time I'll see you, 
if I'm not at one of your games, we'll either be at the, the Army Bowl or the Polynesian Bowl. Are you ready to, to represent the Sunshine State on a national stage? Well, yeah, I'm ready to get my fifth star. I'm ready, I'm ready to show everybody. Well, hey, Terry, and I appreciate you taking the time, man, and we will catch up with you later. Okay, thank you. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.